Hi, welcome to the 1101 Podcast. This is Mr. Williams. Today we're going to be talking about creation myths with my friend Sam. You're going to get to know Sam over the course of this class because he will make an appearance on multiple episodes of my podcast. And he's actually, what he does, he's a video game editor and he'll talk a little bit about this in some of the podcasts. Um, not a video game editor, I'm sorry, he's an editor for a video game website where they talk about the business of video games. Um, but anyways, um, go ahead and take a listen and I'm hoping you'll learn a little bit about this myth as well as be able to like kind of see this is what you need to do for your podcast. This is how it should sound. You having a conversation with somebody else, it should be natural. You guys sometimes might get off on a tangent and that's okay as long as you come back to the topic at hand. Um, but anyways, give it a listen and we'll be listening to podcasts every week in my class from here on out. So if you have any questions about that, make sure to let me know, but make sure that you subscribe to it so that whenever I drop a podcast, it pops up in your iPad or phone and that way you're able to listen to it and know what you need to know for class the next time. Anyways, have a listen and thanks for listening. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you just fine. And I can cut all this. Hooray! Cut out all this. This isn't a big deal. Okay. Do I need to call you uh, Mr. Williams? No, you can call me Seth. That's fine. Can I call you Mr. Mr. Seth? (laughs) Yes, you can. Can I call you Seth Williams? That'd be weird. You've never called me that. I don't think ever. Hmm. I might have to leave this in or put this at the end. Um, <sighs> anyways, cool. Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. This uh, story I got was something else. <laughs> Should I be worried? No. Okay. Uh, it's just, it's it's fascinating. Oh, I know. Yeah, mine is too. And it's... um. There's some ones that are kind of inappropriate, which I don't care. I still shared with my students. Mm. But that's fine. That's fine. I mean, it's inappropriate, but I mean, it's also part of somebody's actual culture. So, right. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Okay. Hi, students. Welcome to the 1101 podcast. Um, Today, I am going to be joined by my friend, Sam Desitoff. Hi, Sam. Hey there. How's it going? Good. Uh, Sam, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? What do you do for a living? Um, my name is Sam, and I am a journalist for a living. Uh, to be more specific, a video games journalist. I am an editor-in-chief of GameDaily.biz, a business-focused industry-side games website. We talk about the making of games and the people who make them. It's uh, it's it's different from the consumer side of games journalism that you're typically you know your IGNs and your Kotaku's and stuff we focus on how games are made the business of making games how profitable they are and and market trends and all that stuff uh I, I think it's really interesting but uh yeah that's uh that's what I do yeah and Sam's also the one who keeps me in the know so for all the gamers out there I don't know anything about it everything I do know is because Sam tells me what's happening currently <sighs> That way, I when you tell when you start talking about things, I can nod along and pretend like I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I, Sam and I have known each other since the third grade, which is uh, long, uh, increasingly longer. But um, 
so we've been friends. He actually also graduated from Singer High, just like me. Um, he graduated from Fresno State, got his degree in journalism, and um, for a while was doing some freelance writing for various websites, and now he is running his own website, so that's pretty awesome. Ah, thank you, Seth. Appreciate that. Uh, so today what we're going to be talking about is basically it's we're doing what you guys did last week where you uh, were assigned two myths and you discussed the myth. So I figured rather than just make you do it, I would do it myself. And I would also make my best friend help me out too because, well, he doesn't have a kid yet, although that's going to be happening soon. So <laughs> he, he still has a little bit of time left on his hand to help me out with projects like this. So you got to catch me while you still can, Seth. I figure I would take advantage. So um, I will, if you would like, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I can go first if you want. I don't mind. Okay, go for it. So what, who was, what culture was your myth from and what was it all about? The myth I chose was two brothers and their grandmother. It's from the Seneca people, a Native American tribe who lived in the New York, Pennsylvania region of North America. Um, and as far as I can tell, they still there's like 10,000 registered Seneca people today still, and most of them live in that area, um, northern northeastern uh, U.S. And there's some across the Canadian border, uh, north of Lake Ontario there. And uh, I think there's one little group that migrated at some point to Oklahoma. But uh, this myth here, this creation myth is something else. It's uh, really interesting. And it boils down to this. Um, long ago, before the Earth existed, humans lived in the sky. And uh, in the sky, they had a village. And the village chief, he lived near a, uh, a large tree with white blossoms. And uh, when the tree blossomed, light uh, went away and darkness descended until the tree next blossomed. Um, one day, the chief's daughter, she became very sick, and uh, the village didn't know how to cure her. And uh, desperate for some kind of cure, the village people thought, mm, maybe this tree needs to go. People had people of the village had dreams of cutting down this tree and removing this tree and the chief's daughter suddenly becoming well again. And... Um, that did not happen. The tree was eventually dug up. And remember, they lived in the sky. So when the tree was dug up, it fell. It fell down. And it was just like a like a, an endless dark hole. And someone was ver so very upset about this tree getting cut down. Even though, so there was infighting, right, about this tree right. getting cut down. And one person was so mad that they kicked the sick chief's daughter down the hole <laughs> and Sorry, I don't no 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 <laughs> but she uh she fell and fell and fell for for ages and uh it's like that scene in lord of the rings gandalf fighting the balrog yes i will pretend like i remember that part but i kind of remember that part. uh she was eventually rescued by some animals in the dark and she realized that she had fallen into water, and they saved her from the water. And she lived on a turtle. A turtle saved her, and she lived on top of the turtle. And some beavers got some mud from somewhere under the water and eventually built this island on top of this turtle. And the chief's daughter 
made a, a, a little life for herself there. That's hysterical. Just really quickly, there was a, there's also a turtle in my creation mist too, and we completely randomly chose the creation mist. It wasn't like we had like decided which ones we were like we didn't tell each other which ones we were gonna do. Huh. But my has a turtle at the very end, which when I my story I'll get to also. Turtles, interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder uh, what the deal is with turtles in creation myths. Do they well, are there is there chose... symbolism there? What's the deal? Well, I don't know. So, I mean, I chose an African myth, whereas you chose a Native American right. myth. And so, I mean, maybe tens of thousands of years ago, there might have been some connection. But, I mean, there's that connection was lost long ago. So, I mean, I do feel like that, you know, there, any animal within a creation myth is like a representation of the animals that are obviously around them or else they wouldn't be able to talk about them. Sure. But, I mean, I think that, like, the animals that they discuss, they are usually some symbolic importance maybe they're something that is the environment needs something it's something like maybe for their sustenance mm. for but so maybe i mean there's lots of documentation about different cultures you know using turtles even though we kind of might think it's weird you know but well yeah that's what's around right so, I mean, their food source or part of it at least so. yeah yeah and you know these are animals that yeah like you, they're native to these areas where these myths originated um it's interesting to me that this myth, uh, the turtle, is what she lives on. It's the source of like her land, and yeah. um, the land over time grew into a large island, right? And then uh, mm-hmm. she eventually she it says she soon gave birth to a daughter. Um, I don't know how she got pregnant, but apparently it involved the uh, west wind. Um, the west wind <laughs> was. Uh, was known to impregnate women in these uh, in this myth. Okay, all right. And well, like I, this is actually pretty tame compared to some of the other myths. Some of the other myths is like, oh my god, should I be showing this to my high school students? But <laughs> again, like I said, I did anyways because it's it's again one thing I told my students, Sam, is that like that these used to be people's religions. Yes. You know, all myths start off as religion. And as people stop believing in them, then they become what we refer to as yep. myths, and they become just more stories than anything else. So absolutely, it may seem, weird, but it just was a part of everyday life for a lot of these cultures. Yeah, that's definitely something I think it's important to keep in mind with a lot of these. It's you know, this is what they believed, and uh, and you know, for all intents and purposes, it was their religion, right? And uh, I don't think it's right to make fun of that. No, it's not right. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I will. I chuckle at a few of them, but you know. Well, I've got yeah. There's something coming up here in mind that's uh, that'll get a chuckle out of you because it made me laugh too. Um, so the the chief's daughter, she eventually gave birth to a daughter, right? And then um, the daughter grew, and uh, the daughter helped tend to the land that they lived on, and uh, the mother, the chief's daughter, she said. She needed to face the West, always face the West. This was so that the West wind could not enter her and make her pregnant. But, uh, oh. yeah. And, but the daughter nonetheless disobeyed and she yeah. soon became pregnant. There were twins. She had, uh, a twins inside of her. Um, so here's what I was just talking about that got, it got kind of weird at this point. And, uh, it made me laugh because she could hear the twins inside of her debating how to exit her body. Right. And one okay. was born naturally, but the but the yeah. other um, was born through through her armpit. 
and then and it huh. killed her. She died from it. Oh jeez. Okay. So I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure what that's all about. But yeah, that she gave birth through her armpit and it killed her. Okay. So the two brothers they grew up and uh, they were disagreeable and angry with uh, one another by nature, right? And so right. Um, they had different visions for what life on their island looked like. And on one half of the island, the older brother, he created human beings and breathed life into them. He also made many animals that were uh, fat and slow. Uh, he It says here specifically he made the sycamore tree bear fruit. And he made the rivers flow both ways with one half going upstream and one half going downstream. Now, on the other side of the island, the younger brother, he made um, several animals as well. Um, it specifically calls out a giant mosquito, a huge mosquito that knocked down trees when it flew. And he made uh, his half of the island rocky and full of ledges and precipices. Um, the younger brother, he also tried to make humans, but uh, he wasn't very good at it and could only make ugly animals. And uh, he, and it, <laughs> that it ticked him off because his um, older brother is making all these really cool animals, but all that he can make is giant ugly mosquitoes, apparently. And uh, in his anger, he vowed that he would make animals that would eat humans. Okay. So, right. uh, yeah, this, this went on for years until uh, one day the brother... The brothers finally had it out, right? Um, oh, by the way, the grandmother, the chief's daughter, she's still around at this point. Yeah. Oh, okay. and, uh, so um, they decided that they're going to go visit each other's half of the island and uh, and see what the other brother made. And uh, first they went to the younger brother's half where the older brother was distressed, the huge mosquito. Understandably so, right? I mean, I think a huge mosquito would distress me. Totally, yeah. Totally. Um, so he, what he did, the older brother, he grabbed the mosquito and rubbed it between his hands until it was tiny, and it flew away when he blew on it. So he made little tiny oh. mosquitoes, and then they went to the older brother's <laughs> half of the island, where the younger brother was disgusted because life would be too easy for the humans, all the slow, fat animals that live there. Right? They could easily hunt. Yeah. Um, so what he did was he made. The younger brother made the older brother's animals smaller and faster so they couldn't be caught. And he also made the fruit of the sycamore tree uh, tiny and unpalatable. And he made all the rivers flow downstream so that humans would have to work to travel. Um, this set into motion uh, a fight wherein the younger brother killed the older brother. And um, right. after he died, the older brother, he went back to his home in the sky where his... Uh, his ancestors lived right where the, this whole story began mm -hmm. and the younger brother stayed down on earth where, uh, where he went on to spread evil. And when evil people die, they're tormented by him uh, because he cannot make a human. And uh, oh, well. that's the story. And from what I, I get from this is it's an appreciation for nature, right? Of one, totally. um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's a story about, loving your, your, your brother, your family, because mm -hmm. uh, I mean, and to maybe, you know, admire your brother's work, admire your friend's work. Don't be jealous or envious or angry and kill out of spite because then you'll be stuck on earth spreading evil. Right. Right. I also feel like just hearing it, it seems like, you know, uh, it, trying to find the right words here, but 
it feels like not only respect for nature, but an, an explanation of like why, you know, it's not, it's not easy to like provide for yourself. You have to work for your food. You have yes. to like, you, yeah. So I, I think that that's, you know, a lot of these creation myths were um, again, before the advent of science, mm -hmm. you know, they were ways to explain how, um, why things were, you know, they were giving, since we couldn't like test anything, we didn't have the technology at the time to figure thing, different things out, but it made it like, it kind of gave an explanation. And I think it's like, I think it's actually an evolutionary kind of trait in our mind that we need to know like how things work. It's just how our brains are programmed that we are naturally curious and want to know the reason why things happen the way they do. And so if we can't figure it out, we'll definitely make a story. To yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And uh, the, I think that lesson is sort of on display here in this myth, right? The, uh, the two brothers insist on looking at each other's half of the land and, and changing what the other one had made, right? We, it's like they, yeah. they can't stand not knowing what's happening on the other half of the right. island. But it's like the Starburst commercial. Mm. Um, do you, you know what I'm talking about? I do about not. not. Okay, well, let me, let me lead you down this rabbit ah. hole. So, um, so in the Starburst commercials, they like they ask like, how, how did they get these so juicy? And then they like make up these like random stories about like the Starburst. Like, there's like spaceships flying around, and they like shoot the juice into the Starburst, mm. or there's like volcanoes. I don't know. There's a bunch of crazy mm -hmm. crap in there but um essentially that but it's like that if you don't know how to do it we make up a reason even though we don't know what we're really talking about and we just made the yes story but i'm gonna go through my sure. story real quick um i'm probably gonna go a little faster um through mine just because i want to make sure um i'm gonna have my, my students are gonna be listening to this tomorrow in mm -hmm. class probably um so mine was so, uh, sorry um, if i uh, went long there i, got, I was really into the story <laughs> <laughs> no it's cool it's cool it's good and like it's it'll be a good example for how like my students can like add more details to their summary and stuff sure so i appreciate it again you're you're good <laughs> you're you. good so <laughs> more reassurance you. there um, the mostly people were um are from africa as i was saying it's an african creation myth um i'm not exactly sure where this is and you know i probably could have done a little research on that but mm. that's okay um the point is the the actual story itself so so basically what it was about is that it says that the naba zidwinde um was was responsible for basically the creation of the earth and it doesn't explain what the naba zidwinde is but it's saying the naba zidwinde and i assume it's like a group of people but it's kind of ambiguous so it doesn't like really say whether or not it's like one person who just has like a title or if it is like several people who are responsible for the mm. creation of the earth. So I found that is that interesting. interesting. I wonder if it's meant um, to be open to interpretation. Yeah, it could be open to interpretation. I do know, I mean, and not like I'm not stereotyping, it's true, is that there's a lot of tribes within it and even mentions in the little um, part at the top saying that um, it was uh, basically, it was learned through the tribes of the mm. Mosi tribe. So, um, but Again, I think that, again, that sense of community is important. I've actually read a book recently. Um, it's called Cultural Responsive Learning of the Brain. And it talks about how um, different cultures have more of a collective identity versus an individual identity. And so, like, African and um, most of the world, really, it's just Europeans who aren't this way 
for whatever reason, but um, most of the world usually has a culture that promotes like a collective state of mind. And so it's basically um, saying that like people who work together get stuff done. And you see that I feel like in some of the creation myths, like from those regions that you see this, this sense of like group and like working together. I'm more inclined to believe that the Nabazidwende is like a group of people. That sounds like but, sound uh, reasoning to me. I like that. Yeah, but anyway, so basically first they created the earth and they it was covered with fire. Then they put the earth over, they blew on the earth to cool the fire and then they put the fire inside the earth. So I'm actually wondering if there's like volcanoes nearby. If they're talking about fire being found within the earth, maybe that's explaining like why there's volcanoes mm. near them. I don't know. I'm just making like a hypothesis on that. Um, but basically, um, that that's what they did. So he cooled it down, put the fire within the earth. And then what he did, he put the earth, like he surrounded the fire with the earth. And what he did next is he started testing out the stability of the earth and make sure it was safe to walk on. Um, he or they, whatever it was. But um I'll just start referring to it today, so I'm gender troll anyways. Um, Perfect. They, yeah, they um, started putting um, chameleons on the earth. You know, they're very light, so that's not going to cause a lot of damage if the earth able being the ante, basically. And then they would start putting larger and larger animals until an opposite wind day we felt like that they were ready to create humans. Once uh, they created the humans, uh, they were very black, and because black is a strong color and it'll make them different from the sun and the moon. So it's basically a way to make them special and to make them stand out against the nature. They're like contrasting nature around them. Mm -hmm. um, after that, um, Nabazid Wende was pleased with, with their creation and they smiled. And when, this, when, when they smiled, um, it created the sky and there was like plenty of food coming from the sky all the human and the sky was really low so humans all they had to do was reach up to grab the food and I'm doing this thing that I do with my students Sam I'm mm -hmm. using hand gestures and it's a podcast so they can't see my hand gestures but I'm talking about it now so <laughs> I too can't see your hand gestures <laughs> no, you can't uh, but anyway so what they did is that humans started getting becoming more and more arrogant. They started like testing the creation basically. So they started like digging and trying to look for things. And eventually they dug and they found what they thought was a leper, which is, you know, like a sick person, a uh, very sick person. And it said that the leper burst into flames. And so the leper was really just fire. Hmm. So it was really the fire that was hidden before and the fire was angry at Nabazidwende for hiding the fire within the earth, but also jealous of the humans. So again, giving explanation to how fire can be destructive to humans um, and like why it's such a powerful force that's like hidden and contained. Um, but anyways, I'm just going to skip ahead here. But um, at the very end, Nabazidwende came to earth later to see what they had created and they were shaping one less animal out of play so created humans but now it's like ready we're okay i gotta make one more animal and nabazid winday realizes that they're running out of clay and so that's apparently why the turtle's head looks the way that it does is because <laughs> the nabazid winday again bringing it back to the turtle um 
the turtle just, you know, the head's not complete. They 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 ran out of clay, so it's just, uh, eh, that's good enough. Oh, man, poor turtle. Yeah, so tur- turtles are just, like, the afterthought of the god's creation. In <laughs> They're unfinished. Yeah, so anyways, I, I mean, like, obviously they also have a respect for nature, and fire's a really big, important factor in there. Um, but I do think that, like, um, and I skipped this part about like that there's like a part where the lake and the lake will dry up. And then um, so again, it's that like scarcity of water too in mm. there. So the like lake, they take, they take advantage of it being there for so long and then it starts to disappear. So that's something that again, I think goes back to explaining the nature around them. This is why the water dries up the way it does because we've done something wrong or the gods aren't pleased with us and, yeah, but anyways. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so again, these creation myths are fascinating just because, you know, it's like, it's interesting to hear how different people around the world um, have such different ideas of how things happen. But then at the same time, there's so many similarities that connect us together as far as like the respect for nature. Yes. Uh, turtles, um, <laughs> apparently. Um, respect for nature and turtles. Check and check. Um, but anyway, so if if that's if nothing else, I hope my students will come away with is turtles. So um, that yeah, that would I would say that's the priority here, definitely. Yeah, but anyways, thank you so much, Sam, for joining me tonight, and um, I hope to do more of these with you. Even yeah, if, but we got a little ways to go before we get to that. <laughs> no. Yeah, anytime, man. It's fun. I, this was interesting. I liked uh, learning about these myths. All right. All right. Well. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and um, just remember for your End of Play podcast that you're going to be recording today, just make sure that you are um, having these conversations with your peers and that um, you're using the evidence that we also find today. So anyway, thank you, and good podcasting.